The radar now allows you between 60 and 63. Have you ever asked the question, why? Have you into these details? If you have brand new tyres, you're actually going to travel faster than what you do on worn tyres. If you change the rim size of your car without changing the gear that drives the, the little receptor or the little receiver, you're actually going to travel fast and your speedo will not be registering the speed you're travelling on the ground. Did you realise that? If you have an older car with a cable-driven speedo, how does a, a circular motion on the cable turn into a, just a solid movement on the dial? Have you ever thought about that while you're driving down the road? So now, because we're mostly now electronic, uh, they are picked up by electronic, uh, they are picked up by magnetic impulses on a, on a receiver, on a switch down by the gearbox, which comes up to the, the dash, which is then translated by a small computer into giving you a digital readout, or again by a rheostat, uh, giving you a, a needle that goes around like that. Have you ever thought about it? That maybe just somewhere in the electric wiring, a wire could break, or you could have a dirty contact. Oil off the road, grease off the road, dust, wind, heat, could put you out in your speedo. And so you could be sailing along, looking at your speedo, saying, I'm doing 60, and you go through the flasher, and he says, no, 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 you're not doing 60, you're doing 65. It's because there's a mistake. The devil's in the... No! God's in the details. Now, I hope I've got your attention. I hope I just repeated some facts you didn't know because I want to bring to you a fact which is critical for at least the rest of your life. This morning, thank you for your worship service this morning. Thank you for the scripture you read. I really appreciate that. Because so often we get, we, we see the, the kill, the steal, kill and destroy. And we don't, we don't really comprehend the last little bit that says, but we've come to have life. He's come to give us life. God is into the details. He's actually described what the devil's trying to do, but he's into the details of what he's done for us. And then uh, our communion service. Look, there are just some times when you almost say, I don't think I need to get up there today. I think they've, uh, they've already got most of my message in any case. But because I've prepared it and put time in it, I'm going to give it to you anyway. So consider this a free session, all right? You're not going to have to pay for this at all. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the book of uh, Generations, Exorcisms, and Levi Strauss. So Leviticus chapter 14 and verse 33, please. Leviticus chapter 14 and verse 33. And before anyone amongst us think, oh gee, he's going to bring out the law today. No, I'm not going to bring out the law today. Leviticus chapter 14 and verse 33. I'm going to read a passage of this scripture simply because uh, it doesn't lend itself to be pulled apart piece by piece initially. So verse 33 begins, and it will be on the screen, on a different version for a reason because some words I'll read will be slightly different. And sometimes we need, we need the difference of those words to really begin to grasp what God is saying to us. Can I just put an ad in here? If you have a, if you have a paraphrase Bible or a, uh, just a, a living Bible or a, a one-person translation Bible, they are just wonderful to sit down, relax, 
open the Bible and read it. They are great for doing that. But if you want to really come to grips and wrestle with what God wants you to know, please, 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 buy yourself a good study Bible. Buy yourself that's been put together by a panel of experts, or men experts in language. NIV, New King James Version, uh, the, uh, the new to, latest updated American Standard. American Standard doesn't read so well because they are so particular about getting the words right, it just doesn't flow quite so well. Whereas NIV sort of says, well, we want to get the words right, but we want to have it flow a bit better. So they, they, kind of just, they kind of just use some different words just to make it flow. But if you read them, and the reason why I've said put up an extra version is because there will be a couple of words that will be different. But somewhere in, in our heads, as we mix up these words, as we look at these words, we can actually begin to come to grips with what God is trying to say to us. With the idea that he's trying to impart to us and plant in our lives. So here we go. Levi Strauss, chapter 33, verse Chapter 14, sorry, verse 33. And the Lord spoke further to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, I will put a mark of leprosy on a house in the land for your, of your possession. Then the one who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, Something like a mark of leprosy has become visible to me in the house. And the priest shall then command the that they empty the house before the priest goes in to look at the mark, so that everything in the house need not become unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in and look at the house. And so he will look at the mark, and if the mark on the walls of the house has a greenish or reddish depressions and appears deeper than the surface, then the priest shall come out of the house to the doorway and quarantine the house for seven days. Some of your Bibles will say, make it un call it unclean. And the priest shall return on the seventh day, second inspection, to make an inspection. If the mark has indeed spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall order them to tear out the stones with the mark in them, throw them away at an unclean place outside of the city. He shall have the house scraped all around inside, and they shall dump the plaster, and they shall scrape off the... Uh, and, and what they scrape off at an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones, or new stones, fresh stones, and replace those stones, and he shall take other plaster on clay and replaster the house. Verse 43. If, however, the mark breaks out again in the house, after he has torn out the stones and scrapped the house, and after it has been replastered, then the priest shall come in and make an inspection. And if he sees the mark has indeed spread in the house, it is a 20th century word, malignant mark in the house, and it is unclean. He therefore, he shall therefore tear down the house, its stones and its timbers, and all the plaster of the house, and he shall take them outside of the city to an unclean place. Moreover, whoever goes into the house during the time that it has been quarantined becomes unclean until evening. Likewise, whoever lies down in the house to, uh, shall wash his clothes, and whoever eats in the house shall wash his clothes. Wouldn't want to be a stonemason, you'd be foreverlastingly washing your clothes. Just noting that. 
Oh, Pastor Paul, what can that possibly... Where are we going with this message? God is into details. God, if, if you forget everything else I say, remember this, God is into details. The key for us for this passage is in the, first, in the second verse that I read. Verse 34 says this, And you enter, when you enter the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, I will put... Oh? Who's putting them? Who's putting? God. I'm going to say that again. God is putting a mark in a house which he is giving them for their possession in the land of Canaan, which was the promised land, which we equate in our Christian thinking to the land of Christian living, having received all and got all and been blessed by all. Whoopee, we're away. We're in Canaan's land. We've got everything provided for us. We don't even have to fight for the cities. And God says, I'm going to put a mark in some of your homes that looks like leprosy. What does leprosy look like? Anyone seen leprosy? Leprosy is a, is a sore that won't heal. And it sometimes gets a sort of a white sort of a scabbiness about it. It just, it just, it, it runs, it just won't heal. And so things rot away and fingers fall off because the leprosy won't allow healing to occur. So they lose their fingers, they lose half their face, they lose their whole arm, their legs. Leprosy is a terrible disease. Some of your Bibles said mildew. Mildew is a is an attempt to is an attempt to try and be a bit more scientific in their viewing of what this sign that looks like like the Bible says like leprosy doesn't say it is leprosy it says the sign looks like leprosy you see the Bible struggles with God who is infinite trying to pull God down to something that we can read which is finite trying to take an infinite loving God who fills the heavens and the earth and bring him down to sit inside of a book. Trying to take the expanse of God that created all the earth and all that there is and try and bring it down to a place where you and I who can't create hardly a puff of wind can understand who God is. The Bible struggles with that. How do you take something which is ginormous and bring it down to a conceivable level? I was blessed by my brother saying he stopped in at a shop and had some gelati. I was really, I was, man, I, I enjoyed, I, I, I didn't enjoy gelati shops so much, but I enjoyed Wendy's ice cream shops. Oh man, I couldn't go past the counter. And it was even better when the kids were with me because I could say, hey, let's get an ice cream for the kids. Which interpreted mean, I want an ice cream now. And even if it costs me, I'll get one for the kids. I'll get it for the kids so I can have it. And then he went on to say, 
that he saw some other things offered for physical consumption. And he felt something happen. He felt a desire to have something that was free. But a little word in his mind said, you don't really need it. But as by his own admission, reason overcame him, he took of the Krispy Kreme. I want to say, right there is the Christian dilemma. Because we live in a physical world, but we are spirit beings. Our spirit is alive to God. People in the world are dead to God. People in the world are mostly dead to spiritual things. They have no idea, except, and I can't understand this, why they run to movies like The Exorcist and uh, Rosemary's Baby and other super spirit Twilight movie that was a series that was on. I can't understand why they, they love the intrigue of the spiritual, which is bad and evil, but mind you, humanity overcomes in the end. Which is a downputting of God, who is spirit, who is love, who is good, who is light, not dark. So people in darkness choose darkness rather than light, but the Bible already told you that. You already, you already knew that. So the thing for us to grow into an understanding of is, is this that sometimes God does put things in our pathway to make us make a choice. He puts things in our pathway to make us make a decision. He puts things in our pathway to help us see what we're really like. The gelati was fine. The Krispy Kreme with the word of warning was God saying, you don't really need that. Which voice are you going to listen to? Your body's voice, your physical frame voice, your, hum your humanity voice, or my voice of conscience, my, my voice of peace, my, my inner still voice. I want to tell you, folks, the difference is as subtle and as gentle and as quiet... God will not yell at you like I am now. Sorry. I'm sorry, dear. I, he won't yell at you like that. He won't get in your face and shake you by the scruff of the neck. He won't rough you up. But he'll put his arm around you and say, come this way. Do it my way. Romans chapter 2 is all about people living right who are without the law, living right because their conscience still speaks to them. Unfortunately today, most of us, by the time we get to late teens, have managed to, and the biblical word is seer, we've managed to burn our conscience to the point where the voice of conscience, we don't hear it. We've burned it out. We've burned it off. It's so toughened. Our reasoning is so toughened that we can't hear it. I want to say to you, the opportunity to plant seed is in children. 
Some of you are going to hear it. This, this message for some of you could be life-changing or you'll walk out of this place and you'll say, well, what did he say? I don't remember anything of it. Some of you, and I'm not being nasty there to you and I'm not being silly to myself. I'm just, it's just a point of, just a point of I, I, I know that because of where we get to in life, we do cut off from some things. We do turn off from some things. So, God says, in the land which I'm giving you, who gave the land? God did. For your, for your possession, for them to possess and to enjoy, they walked into a place where the houses were built, the barns were built, the crops were planted, the animals were there, the fences were up, the corrals were there, the sheep dip was there. It was all there for them. All they had to do was walk in and occupy it. In the land which I'm giving you, for your possession, I'm going to put a mark in some of these homes that will look like either leprosy or mildew. God, why would you do that? Why would you do that? So the priest comes, when you see it, the priest comes and looks at the house and says, let's get everything out of the, get everything out of the, the instruction is get everything out of the house before the priests arrive. That's so that our goods and our chattels, the things that we need daily, are not declared unclean. Because if the priest comes and says, yeah, that's leprosy in the wall, that's mildew on the wall, everything in there is unclean. It means that, oh, gee, I wonder where that coat today. It's a bit cold. No, you can't. It's in there. It's unclean now. Well, I need that cabinet out in the shed so I can still put my clothes away. I'm sorry. The cabinet's still in the house. Uh, it's unclean now. You've got to leave it there. You can't touch it. Well, my favourite walking stick's in the house. Well, I'm sorry, it's in the house, it's unclean now. So, the graciousness of God, he warns them and says, get the stuff out of the house. When the priest comes and looks at it, he's going to make a declaration. If he declares that it's Israel Jew, then the house is unclean. He locks up the house, quarantines it. My Bible says, your house says, makes it unclean. Locks it up for seven days, comes back and looks at it again and he sees, has the, has the sign grown? Now, there were no council building inspectors in those days. Come to think of it, I don't know that there are too many of them today either. But anyway, that's another story. So there was no one to go in and make sure that the building was built properly or watertight or waterproofed. Or... So it could just be a natural problem that's been discovered that the building has a water problem or a salt damp problem in it. The building has a problem and it's not really going to be a great habitation for his children. So God, in this first instance, is protecting his people. By saying you can't live in a house that shows signs of mildew or leprosy because it's not healthy for you. And leprosy, the mildew is going to breathe spores. That's going to affect your health. It's not good for you. Therefore, I've declared it unhealthy. Therefore, now you have to come in, scrape the walls off, pull out the old stones, and throw them out into a place an unclean place, not a recycling centre. Sometimes we throw things away, but we don't really throw them away far enough. We put them in the recycle centre. We think, well, if I can hide this action from God long enough, he'll forget about it, I can bring it back in again. Anyone ever done that? No, don't put your hands up. I think all of us have probably done that one way or another. God's convicted us about something. We've put it out of our lives for a period of time. 
and then slowly we pull it back and use it again. So the house needs to be replastered, restoned, refixed up. Another seven days goes by, the priest comes back again, he looks at the house. If the house is now clean, no mildew, no leprosy looking figment on the wall, he declares it clean. But if the mildew is back on the wall, if the leprosy look is back in the house, the Bible says, from the New American, it says it's a malignant leprosy or a malignant mildew. Malignant, definitely a 20th century word. It's an, it's an unclean, it's a dirty, I think um, NIV says destructive mildew. A destructive mildew. So if it's there, what does he do then? The priest says, you've got to tear down the whole house. Get rid of the whole house to an unclean area. An unclean area was you didn't go. That, 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 this, this goes for Nick and for Alf in their, in their building projects. They don't go to an unclean area to reclaim a brick to put back in their wall. You can't go there. If something's been declared unclean, it's put into an area where it cannot be reused. It's put out of reach. You push it aside from your life. You, you shake your dust off your feet and you walk away from it. Not to be used again. Build a new home out of new, new rock on a new foundation somewhere else. Get out from the foundations that have been built there. Wow, that's tough. When you come into the land, which I am giving you, for your possession, I will put. So this is God putting a sign in their houses not all of them, but in their houses, from the first inspection at a humanity level to look after their health, to look after their practical, physical way of life. So God's caring about our humanity and the second time he's caring about our spirit. He's caring about our spirit. I thought, wow. I, when I looked at this house, I said, man, that's tough. Rip down the whole house, but God, it doesn't add up. You, you said you'd give them the place. You, you said you'd give them the, the houses to be their possession, and, and now you are saying you've put leprosy in the house. I don't understand. What are you really saying, God? What, help me, Lord. Now you're getting the benefit of 45 years of experience. It was the practice of the preceding civilization in those homes to bury their wealth in the foundations of the home. To bury the thing that they trusted in in the foundation of their homes. Worse than burying their wealth in the homes, they would also bury their little effigies or their little statues of their gods that they believed in in their homes 
for their protection and for their care. Now, my Bible says that God is a jealous God. And when he gives us something, he expects us to use it within the parameters and within the, within the knowledge of who he is and how he wants it used. He expects, us, he expects, us, expects it to bless us and he expects us to be thankful and grateful for what we have received. And not honour the gold in the foundation or the little statues, because the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt have no other God before me, thou shalt have no graven image before me. He expects us to honour him in our lives. He expects us to live. My car, I've just called, it's the car over which I'm a steward. My house, woo, woo, woo. No, it's not your house. It's God's house over which he has given me stewardship. The business I have. No, no, no. No, you didn't invent your own business skills. God gave you the business skills so that you could employ them and profit and make, and make, and make business out of it. It's God's business. Pardon? Your nursing home, well, God's looking after you in the nursing home. So, so you need to see that those people that are there ultimately are there caring for you because they are being paid for by the provision of God somewhere back along the line. And if in the nursing home's case, if eventually they prove to be irresponsible or untrustworthy, maybe not in this life, but in the next life, they will have to stand before a God who will say, why did you take advantage of my creation? Anyway, that's another, that's another additional area. So, so the reason the house had to be destroyed was because in the land that God had given them, in the land in which he told them to possess, there were items and articles trying to honour a heathen or bad or, bad or false god. And so God wanted them stripped out and ruined and wrecked and cast away. I'm nearly out of time. I spent too much time on the introduction again. So here's, here's the bottom line. Sometimes God will put a seemingly difficulty towards you in your life for you to discover either something about yourself or remove something around you which can cause defilement or uncleanness. Let me go back to the car just for a minute. When a car drives into the garage, the mechanic looks at four things. He looks at the air filter to see how the motor can breathe. He looks at the water to see if it's got enough coolant. He looks at the fuel to see how, the, how, how, how well the fuel is and he looks at the colour of the engine oil in your sump. Because the colour of the engine oil will tell me how long since you've had a service. The air filter will tell me how dusty your conditions have been and whether your motor is choking and having a bad economy run. The fuel can tell me whether you're mixing up wrong fuels, bad fuels, fuels not suitable, uh, contaminated fuels, and therefore you won't get the full bite out of your out of your fuel. You won't get the full one. And now I've done it to myself and I've forgotten what the fourth one is. The water radiator. 
Water radiator is the cooling. Let me now apply it. The water in the radiator is the washing of God's word of your life. The oil in the motor is the Holy Spirit. The air in your motor, the filter on the air in your motor is actually, what do you filter out of your life? Now, I won't watch that TV program because it's got X, Y, Z in it. No, I, won't, I don't need to see that stuff. No, I don't need to hear that stuff. It's what are you filtering out of your life that's not going to do something good for you. Oh, but you've got to watch, everyone else is watching. Well, good on them, let them watch it. If it's rubbish, then it's rubbish. And the fourth one? <laughs> Sorry. What we do? We did the fourth. The fuel. If you provide the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in your life, it gives you fuel to run. It gives you good thinking. It shapes you. As I finish, you can read it for yourself. Verses 48 to 54 talk about the way things are made pure. And it mentions these articles. It mentions two birds, some cedar wood, a scarlet string, some hyssop, and some running water. They are all, and combined together, are pictures of the cross of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. One bird is allowed to go free, one bird loses its life, and its blood mixed with the water is sprinkled in the home. The hyssop is there because of the pain of the cross, the pain that it caused Jesus Christ, the pain that it caused God the Father. And the wood there, the cedar wood, of course, is for the cross itself. In other words, it's, it's a picture of the sacrifice of Christ. The scarlet thread is the history of God's planning. God is into details. He knew you would be here in this season, in this age. He knew you would be here. He knew the gifts and talents you would receive naturally and he knows the gifts and talents that he wants to give to you spiritually. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And sometimes he says, I'm going to put some mildew in your life so that you can discover something which is holding you back. And here's the big Christian problem. And I'm two minutes over time. Here's the big Christian problem. He's, God, I've got this problem that's shown up in my life. I want you to remove it. I rebuke the devil. And nothing happens to it. It stays there. Why does it stay there? It stays there because God put it there. Because if you analyse it, if you look at it, you'll come to realise that that problem is actually showing you what is in your heart, what is in your life, what it is something that doesn't agree with the word of God. God got the homes destroyed because in the foundation of those homes were little effigies of a heathen God. Articles of worship to other things other than God. And God said, I'm a jealous God. I will not have any other gods before me. And they had to wreck their homes. In the land, I'm giving you the land of Canaan 
and the, and the homes and goods for your possession. In the place that he gave them to possess, he said, I'm going to put a mark. So that they could be all that God wanted them to be. So that you can be all that God knows you can be. It's not for me to be here today to tell you what it is or what it isn't that you're doing or not doing. No, that's entirely between you and God because God, God knows what our framework can handle. God knows where we are in the pathway of life that he's got for us. My encouragement to you is seek God. Seek God. Reject the things of the devil. Steer away from the things which are unclean. And when God speaks to you or when something shows up in your life that just doesn't seem quite... Well, that's not quite normal or natural. Say, God, is this from you or, is, or do I need to stand against it? It might be just God speaking to you. And some of you might be confronting things for some number of years and it's not moved. You want to ask this question, God, is this you trying to show me something rather than is this the devil trying to have a go at me? God wants to produce life in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.